Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting EXIT PLAN with no spaces to 44222. That's EXIT PLAN to 44222. Again, text EXIT PLAN to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Thank you so much for everyone for joining us today. Uh, my next guest is Miranda McCroskey, and she's joining us from a, a firm called Unlock Legal, where she's the founder and lead attorney. And Unlock Legal um, is, a, is a legal team that provides focused representation to California licensed professionals who are in trouble with their licensing boards. So, uh, Miranda, a pleasure to have you on. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Bill. Glad to be here. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, I've uh, I've known you for quite a while, Miranda, and you're you you don't go into a uh, a niche area without doing a lot of research. Tell us uh, how you got into uh, Unlock Legal, and what are the situations out there that you see, and and uh, how do you help your uh, your clients? Um, sure, Bill. Sure. So I've been a criminal defense attorney for over twenty years. And while I helped all of those clients keep their liberty, you know, stay out of jail and and avoid other consequences that the government wanted from them, after that, they would come to me and say, what's next? My licensing board has sent me this this document, and it's intimidating. I don't understand it, and I didn't realize my license was at risk. So I started to realize it was definitely a one-two punch. If you're a licensed professional in California facing a criminal matter, you're going to have a follow-up issue with your licensing board. So I decided to kind of alter my focus and my branding um, and start really assisting these licensed professionals who are having these problems. I don't necessarily do the underlying criminal work anymore, although I can, but I am helping the licensees. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe I should tell you the three biggest issues I see. Yeah, I'd love to hear about those uh, because I, I know a lot of professionals listen to this show and, and they, they may not think about this kind of thing. So what are those three big issues? So the three, well, let me do it this way. It's the three, um, three types of clients that I see the most in my firm. So first, I see people who are not yet licensed professionals but want to be. So people who have finished their education, let's say someone just got their bachelor's of science in nursing at USC and they are now applying to the board of registered nurses and their application is rejected with a formal legal document, you know, on pleading paper, the whole bit. And it's called a statement of issues and it's formally denying their application to be licensed by that particular board because of a number of reasons, but generally a past criminal issue that they either didn't deal well with properly on their application, they failed to disclose it, 
some, or, or they disclosed it properly and it's just the very existence of the underlying criminal matter that's keeping them from being able to pursue their chosen career. So we help people with their initial application before the denial if they come to me for that. And we help people once their application has been denied, we help fight that. So that's my number one. And then number two would be an actual licensee, someone who's had their license for any number of time, but a criminal matter, and, and it could be a non-criminal matter, but some problem has arisen where the, the facts of the problem have come to the board's attention and they are now looking to discipline that professional license by filing what we call an accusation against them. So we'll defend that person, um, we'll defend their license by managing that accusation. Oftentimes we settle, similar to in criminal court, but sometimes we go to hearing on that one. And the third one is people who want to get their license back. They've given it up for mm-hmm. some reason. Maybe, maybe it was part of the negotiations in an underlying criminal matter. Sometimes that'll happen. Like maybe for a felony fraud case, giving up your license is part of what your defense attorney puts on the table to get you some deal. Or maybe um, the board went after their license and they didn't have the wherewithal or the money or anything to defend it and they just let the board take it. But anyway, some matter, some years have passed and they now come to me to get their license back. And mm-hmm. we do, it's called a petition for reinstatement and we do that as well. Now, Miranda, I know there must be, there must be hundreds of thousands, probably millions of professionals out there um, that could use your services, but do you focus on one licensing board more than others out there? You know, I don't. Um, if you looked at my caseload at any given time, there might be more nurses than more um, or more doctors. It might vary. But as far as what I focus on, what I found is most every board is under the Administrative Procedure Act. That's the, the, basically the rules and laws that, that they follow. And so what that means is if, if a veterinarian comes to me or, a, or an x-ray tech or a respiratory therapist or any of them, if they fall under the Administrative Pro- Protective Act, um, I'm saying that wrong, the Administrative Procedure Act, sorry, then, the, then what I do is very similar for every board. So I found that my skill set works for all the different boards. Well, that's good to know. And uh, these days, you know, with information freely flowing uh, everywhere, do these boards find out about issues? Like, for instance, uh, DUI would be one that comes to mind. Do they find out about those immediately from the uh, organization, or or do a lot of these uh, boards require self-reporting or what what do you find is you know in other words do you need to be really proactive on this if something happens uh, at ASAP or is this something that you're going to get a notice at some point? Kind of both. So what mm-hmm. I found is every board has some form of self-reporting required. Mostly, it's you must report a conviction, a misdemeanor conviction within 30 days of the conviction occurring. So if I get a referral from a criminal defense attorney and the conviction has not yet occurred, I keep track of that and I make sure that if I'm retained that within 30 days I, self, I help the person do the mandated reporting. If it's a felony, they have to report it at the time that the information or the indictment is filed, so significantly earlier in the process. And another board to report at the time of the arrest so you'd have to be very specific about your board and do the research or, you know, call our office to help you. But there's different times when different boards have to report. So there's one. Two, 
they seem to find out. I do not even know how. I have clients who call mm-hmm. me and say um, that that their work let them know that that uh, they've already found out. I I don't understand because there's so many different boards and so many details. I don't know if they're getting literally reports from the Department of Justice when an arrest occurs or reports mm-hmm. from their local police. But the answer to your question is yes. Be proactive because we can assume your board's going to find out even though they're putting the onus on you, the licensee, to report it. And you'll get dinged if you don't report it timely. It's failure to disclose. So we have to be very proactive and timely with this. Now, that's a good tip right there for anybody who's a professional, as you may want, you know, may, may want to uh, contact Miranda or pull, you know, at least pull out your records and figure out, you know, reread that stuff that you might have uh, glossed over while you were filling out all the forms to become part of the board or licensed in a certain profession, uh, it, you, you should know what those parameters might be. You know, one of the common things that happens a lot is um, uh, people just have a, maybe a drink or two too much and, and they get a DUI. Uh, Miranda, can people really lose their professional license just from one DUI? People ask me that all the time, and my response is, and they ask it incredulously, like, come on, you can't lose your license for one DUI. The answer is maybe you won't lose your license, but just like when you got that DUI and you had to face the music, you were required to defend yourself. It's the same way. So you may not end up losing your license. I agree. It, you probably won't. However, they are going to force you to defend yourself. And so that's what we do. We craft a narrative using the facts of the DUI. We make sure to, you have to cooperate with your licensing board, whereas you do not have to cooperate with the police in a criminal context. You do have to cooperate with your licensing board investigation. So um, the answer is you're going to have to defend yourself one way or the other. You may not lose your license, but you may end up on probationary status and it'll have a panoply of terms and conditions, but an attorney who's skilled in the licensing law can help make those terms and conditions something that is easier to live with. So it sounds like uh, if um, if you um, are a professional, if, if our listeners are a professional of some type, um, obviously, you know, we all you know, meet attorneys or we hear a lot of information about, hey, if you get a DUI call so-and-so uh, or, you know, everybody should have somebody on their speed dial just in case. Uh, but it sounds like you should be right right there with it to, uh, to okay, I've, I'm now I'm out of jail. Now what next? What, you know, what, what are some of the steps? What are some of the things people can do to be proactive um, in this with you? What are some of the first steps that you take? Well, I would suggest that anyone, and we're talking right now specifically about someone who's facing a criminal matter, and then when do they bring me in? That's how I understood your question. And the answer Mm -hmm. is early, early. Bring in a professional licensed attorney early, because your criminal defense attorney may or may not be versed in the details. And um, it's my experience, they're not so much, which is not a slight on them. I mean, I used to be one exclusively doing criminal. It's just not... Uh, it's just another piece of information that they may not have in their bag of tricks. So the answer is bring in a licensing attorney early so we can work hand in hand with the criminal defense attorney. Or if you hire me to do both, that's even better. (laughs) But one thing I do is I write what I call an opinion letter and I write it from the perspective of a licensed attorney. And it says that there's unforeseen collateral consequences on this, of this conviction on 
the professional's license and the criminal defense attorney can submit that to the district attorney and as a mitigating piece of evidence and it's it can be very helpful it can help them get a better deal in the criminal courts or get a dismissal which is really what they want so that's helpful when they bring me in early for that and then in the alternative if i'm too late to do that say we can at least research the timing of the disclosure as we discussed earlier Okay, well, that's that's a good tip to know. Again, if you're uh, you might be working with uh, an attorney who's just trying really hard to get you to deal with uh, the uh, the issue of of your criminal act or or you know your or trying to get you out of that. But you also need to be thinking about on a parallel line your license. And like Miranda says, you can't really can't really delay. It, it sounds like you know you have certain requirements. Um, what 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 are some common timelines that you've seen for reporting this type of a situation? You, you mentioned, I think, earlier 30 days or 45 days. Are those kind of common timelines? Is it that quick? Uh, yeah. So some boards, like I just ran across um, physical therapy board, they want to be notified at the time of the arrest. To date, that's the only board I know that has that requirement, but there definitely could be others. The next one I see is if it's a felony, they want to be informed at the time of the indictment or the information. That's the very, very first starting document that even starts the criminal matter. It's counterintuitive. You think I'm innocent until proven guilty. The only thing that's happened is the DA's office is pointing a finger at me and has filed this this um, complaint against me, which I referred to as an indictment or an information you think, why would I have to tell anybody at this point? Again, I'm innocent until proven guilty, but they do. Some boards want it at that time. And some boards with misdemeanors, you know, which are a lower level criminal matter, they want it within 30 days of conviction. But again, for the listeners, don't assume your, your board wants it one way or the other that I described. We'd have to look into it and get clear on which board is wants what. Now, Miranda, can you illustrate with a, a story, again, leave out the names of the, the clients, but can you illustrate with a story about someone, that, a real-life situation that you've worked with where, uh, where this was a, important for them to, to get on right away? Oh, yeah. Well, the physical therapy board recently, as I said, um, well, I haven't told you this part, but we notified them timely within 30 days of the conviction, and we were we – were, um, very confident and certain that we were doing everything right. And we received correspondence from that board saying you were supposed to notice, notify us at the time of the arrest. And I should have known that and didn't and had to um, basically fall on my sword. And I was happy to do it, but to say uh, I'm a successful licensing attorney and I know my stuff and, and this board had a different requirement. So the point was even we missed it. So now I'm never going to miss that again, and I I will make sure I catch it for every other board. But you know, there's an example with the timeliness. Uh, yeah, I, I just kind I can imagine example. you know, yeah, I can imagine at that point though somebody's world just got kind of turned upside down. They're they're thinking about staying out of jail or you know or getting out of jail or or just uh, you know dealing with the authorities. Uh, they they probably aren't thinking about well I better call right away to the licensing board. <laughs> They are not thinking that at all. They're thinking, how can I not tell my licensing board, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If so, they're thinking okay, about so, it yeah, what's at your, all, right? What's your, yeah, if you're thinking about it, what's your other story? Um, uh, now I've lost it. Let's see, it was about timing. Uh, oh, oh, I have clients. <laughs> I have clients who come to me 
with an accusation. So that's the formal document that's filed against the licensee, someone who is licensed. And the causes of action, the, when they set out, you did wrong here, you did wrong here, like that. Well, one of them is the underlying DUI and, and maybe other underlying criminal matters. But another cause of action will be the failure to disclose. And I'll talk about it with them. And I'll say, did you let them know? And they say, no, I didn't know I was supposed to let them know. And I get that. You know, they're, they're freaked out. They, they haven't, mm-hmm. They're not digging onto their board's website and researching. They don't know attorneys like me exist. They're not asking for help. They don't know they need the help. So now we're dealing with a whole nother cause of action against them, and we have to raise another defense. So then we have to explain why did you neglect to tell the board properly. So there's another there's another ramification of not communicating it. And uh, what does the I mean the board um, takes that very seriously? I would take it that you didn't adhere to your your duties to report seriously. Mm-hmm. So like what you're saying now, they have. They have not only the criminal matter and dealing with that in the in the system, but now they have two problems to deal with with their licensing board. Our licensing boards, I mean, they have a duty to make sure that people adhere to their standards for the good of the public. And I can imagine they they take that very seriously because if they don't, then what are they doing? Yeah, they consider it dishonesty. Well, okay. Well, it's really good information to have. Miranda, do you have, I mean, we've we've talked about some of the tips, I guess, built into this, and one of them I can take away from this is uh, think about your ramifications with your licensing board right away if anything were to happen. What other tips or precautions could you tell our listeners besides don't don't get a DUI or, or do anything criminal? <laughs> <laughs> mm. Well, we've covered so much of it. I would suggest if you have any any doubt about what's in your criminal history past, like you're, you're 45 years old and you're trying mm-hmm. to get a, you want to be a, a licensed real estate uh, agent and you think that vandalism issue from when you were 18, that silly little thing that went away when you paid that fine, you think that's not anything. Well, it probably is. It's probably something. So my point mm-hmm. is, if you have any doubt, you know, we'll help with that. And, and if you run a live scan, your own personal, it's, it's inexpensive, 35 bucks or something at a kiosk, mm-hmm. you can do a live scan. But I will review that live scan, and I'll tell you if the matters that are on it, if there are any, are relevant to you. Um, and also there's a lot of, a lot of um, confusion. If they, an individual thinks, well, I expunge the matter. And an expungement in California means you have the guilty plea withdrawn and the case dismissed, which is a great result. And it does uh, make a big difference to non-licensed professionals. Once you expunge a matter, for instance, if I wanted a job at, at anywhere, it doesn't require a license, Target, I do not have to disclose that I ever had a criminal matter. So it's, it's a real blessing, but it doesn't save the day in licensing issues. And so people, people will tell me, oh, I don't have a problem. I've expunged it. And no, no, you still have a problem. We still have to disclose it. So I guess that's a tip called be proactive early when you're doing your application. Maybe reach out for help at that early stage. And, um, yeah. and then another thing, we've been using the word professional in this whole interview. These, it's, it's anybody's license, even if you consider yourself a professional or not. Um, yeah, like I don't want to be offensive or anything, but like a, an esthetician or a vet tech, I mean, veterinarian technician, a, a x-ray mm-hmm. tech. I, do, I help all sorts of people. They don't have to be like doctors and lawyers. 
Well, it's great information, Miranda. And uh, again, I've been talking with Miranda McCroskey from Unlock Legal. And again, if you've always wondered, like, you know, I have questions about whether I should report this or that, and I don't know who to call, now you do. So the uh, <laughs> best thing you can do is go to unlocklegal.com or give Miranda a call, and she will, she'll talk to you at no cost just to figure out what your situation is and let you know if she can be of help. Miranda, what's the best number for them, for our listeners, to give you a call? We have a toll-free number. It's 833-UNLOCKED, U-N-L-O-C-K-E-D, 833-UNLOCKED. Okay, so very, very good information and uh, very helpful. And, uh, Miranda, I really appreciate you coming on and letting us know about all of this, and I look forward to the next time we get to talk. Thanks, Bill. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 